And welcome back to the True Patriot Podcast, folks. We are in season two here, and this is a cool one. This is our very first episode of season two, and we have a special one for you. This one's going to be all about fishing, man. That is the total topic we're talking about here. We are doing a preview of the upcoming Bassmaster Classic, and to bring in some expert knowledge in these cases... Uh, my my friend and uh, one of the the leading members of our True Patriot Outfitters Anglers Network, Mr. Jason Cushlin. Jason, thanks a ton, dude, for joining us here. No problem. Thanks for having me on. And I don't know about expert, but I follow along. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we were just talking off air. I mean, I admittedly, and people know this, uh, I admittedly follow, you know, very tightly and closely with the MLF. I know several of the guys, you know, that compete over there. Um, and Bass, you know, obviously with the podcast, I have to stay plugged in, but that's really your wheelhouse, man. You stay plugged in with the Bass, you compete in the, in the Bass series. I mean, that's that's been a, like a, a lifelong thing for you, right? Yeah, I've uh, yeah, I've been fishing the bass stuff for for quite a while. I mean, I've I've done I haven't really done like actual full on like club stuff, but I've been fishing the team trail stuff and following bass for a long time. And I still fish MLF stuff. Um, I, we fit you know the BFL stuff like yep. that. So yep. um, that I'm going to continue to fish. Probably fish some Toyota series down the line, but um. If I had to pick one that I wanted to end up in, it'd be the BASS stuff. Right. So. Well, and that's, you know, for a lot of the folks, you know, that watch here, they're from all over the country. Um, after living up there for 10 years, I'm actually, I was born technically in Minnesota. It's, you're not just, you know, it, this isn't just a hobby or something you do. I mean, it's a lifestyle for you, dude. You're an avid outdoorsman. You hunt, you fish, yep. you trap. Uh, I don't know. Do you club things? I mean, what, what you know, the great, <laughs> <laughs> the great up North, man, it's, it's, yeah. it's a part of your life, you know, uh, up in that yep. area. So, yeah, no, I yeah, can, I, uh, I do a lot of traveling, man. I travel for fishing. I travel for hunting out of multiple states for fishing, multiple states for hunting deer and turkeys. I mean, I do everything. That's awesome. It gets good. expensive, but it doesn't it though. Yeah. Yep. I might no. not die a millionaire, but I'll have some memories. <laughs> you can't take it with you, man. That's, that's my view. Well, listen, so we're going to go ahead and uh, start jumping into this folks. What we have here, um, bass, they, their super bowl. Um, it used to be pretty much the entire industry's super bowl. Landscapes changed a little bit, but still for Bass uh, uh, Master themselves, this is their Super Bowl event. It is the biggest. It's one of the most coveted uh, events that a lot of anglers dream of making it to. And for the 2022 Academy Sports and Outdoors Bassmaster Classic presented by Hook, they are going to none other than Lake Hartwell. Um, and they're calling it out of Green uh, Greenville, South Carolina. The thing about Hartwell, man, is it sits right on the border. Um, it's a big body of water, and it sits right on the border of Georgia and South Carolina. Yeah. So you could choose two or three towns if you really wanted to uh, that you could attach this place to. But this is not the first time they've been to Hartwell. This will actually mark the fourth time uh, that the Classic's been at Hartwell. The fourth um, time in, I think, 12 years. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think, the first one was 08. Yeah. For sure. So it's uh, it wasn't too long ago when they first got there. So Lake Hartwell, 56,000 acre lake, 
right? Like I said before, it's on the border of Georgia, South Carolina. It's like the intersection of like three different rivers all come together at this place. The Savannah, the Tugaloo, and the Seneca, they all feed and intersect into this joint. So, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's like I said before, it is a huge body of water. Um, from everything, I've never fished it. Have, have you ever made it down in that neck of the woods? I've never been down there, but it, um, from what it sounds like is it's a lot of clean, clear water. And from what I've seen out there, it's, it's what'll be in play here is largemouth and spots. Those are the, yep. the primary two. Um, just for, you know, you know me, I'm a stat monkey, dude. I've, I'm, I'm always tracking and, and doing Excel spreadsheets. Oh, yeah. um, but looking into the uh, one of the deals, the, so the record largemouth to ever come out of Hartwell is a 12.6. Um, double digit has come out of there and the record spot uh, that they have listed at the most recent is a f- uh, like a five, six uh, that they've pulled out of there. That would be a monstrous fight, a five, six spot. That would be oh, a, yeah. a tug. <laughs> um, so yeah, man. So they're, they're going to be there uh, the fourth through the sixth. It's going to be basically a run and gun. We were just talking about um, what the weather's looking like right now. Um, yeah. Oh, there, there you are. I think, oh, did you lose me? Yeah, a little bit, but that's all right. Go for it. Um, I think it's going to be kind of interesting because they have, their practice is actually a week removed. So their practice, I think, ends tomorrow. Maybe it ended today. And then I think they get a half day on Wednesday. So they started practice back on Friday. And it was actually cold. It was like, I think the highs were low 60s and even mid 50s. And then going into this week, it's going to be a warming trend. I mean, it's fairly stable, but it's going to be upper 60s to mid 70s pretty much all week. And uh, I can tell you looking at that weather, dude, it certainly changed one of my picks. Um, We've talked about this. I didn't really let the viewers know. Jason and I are going to pick a couple anglers at the end of this thing here uh, to see kind of our own little uh, in-house fantasy uh, fishing deal here. And it that weather trend actually adjusted one of my thought patterns on this uh, because it's going to it's going to play. What do you think? I mean, everything that I've looked at has told me that um, this winter really hasn't been uh, a rough winter for them at all. They had like this little snap, this cold snap come through in January. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, if I was reading these articles correctly, like they had the warmest December in the state's history recorded in Georgia in December of 2021. So, I mean... That's, I mean, that's going to affect this, you know, as far as this water temp, the, the last reading, by the way, at three 30 mountain time today, I got a water temp uh, reading according online of 49 degrees uh, out there. That's what I saw too. Yeah. And I, I, I think they're taking that at the dam probably. And I think that's probably going to be the coldest water. Um, I think up in those rivers, up like in the Seneca and the Tugaloo, I think, they're a little dirtier water, if I remember right, from what I watched in previous classics. And that's probably going to warm up a little more, a little quicker. Um, but I don't think they're going to be bedded. It's too early for that. The water temperature is going to be too cold. But I think they're definitely, you're going to see with this warm trend they have and consistent warm weather, I think there's going to be some big fish pushing up shallow. They may not be, they're not maybe moving up there to bed, but they're going to be moving up there looking to feed. I would agree 100% uh, in that shallow piece, um, especially if those 70s, you know, high mid to high 70s come in. That is going to, that's, I mean, that's just going to change things. 
Um, I was going to ask you that. I mean, we're looking, it's really setting up as a pre-spawn game. Um, but you know, it's like that, that whole spawning piece, obviously it's not enough time here for that water temp to get, get where it needs to be for them to really transition. But you got to think that a few are going to be scouting, right. And they're going to be pushing into those areas. So the only thing I was thinking is, you know, if we do have a big, have some big fish up shallow for this, I don't know if it would hold for three days. Right. I don't think you, I don't know if they're going to be able to win all shallow. I think it's going to take a combination of some deep water fish too. some, you know, like get a limit of spots in the morning and then go hunting bigs during the day. I mean, that might be, that's kind of what um, Jordan Lee did in 18. He started in the morning shat or deep and then moved in shallow and they had a couple warm days. And by the final day, there's a bunch of fish pushed into the pockets on docks, but I think that's going to be kind of similar to what we see. I think docks are going to be a big player. I think um, that buck brush, they got a lot of buck brush in that thing. I think that's going to play depending on how deep the water is. Um, I don't, I haven't looked at the lake levels compared to previous classics, but I think it's pretty close. I was going to say, I'm not seeing anything uh, online that, that indicated low levels um, or extremely high. So I'm guessing, but I don't, I admittedly have not looked at previous years, you know, to right. see where they're at. So I think, I think there, I think there's going to be, you know, a shallow bite for sure. Um, I just don't know if guy, if they can make it last for three days, unless there's continual fish pushing in every day, which it's possible with the weather they're going to have, but it's going to, I think it's going to take a mix, a mix of deep and shallow fish. Well, and it makes you, you know, it puts into play also how much water are these guys, you know, to be in contention, how much water are they going to need to cover? Right. I mean, like you're saying, these areas can, are probably going to get gassed in some of these, you know, situations. And it makes you wonder, does that mean a guy's got to cover just, you know, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles worth of, worth of lake to keep finding that, you know, reoccurring pattern or, or can he find a section of, you know, of the lake and, and, and ride it for three days? Right. Well, I think the weather's going to set up somewhat similar to what they had in 18. And uh, I know Christy, he ran shallow chatterbait bite on buckbrush and stuff like that. And uh, his areas fizzled on him the final day. Yep. And he ended up not weighing a limit. And it cost him the classic by a pound and a half or two pounds or whatever it is. And um, Jordan Lee, he started deep and then moved in and he happened to come into the right pocket where they were pushing in. I mean, the water was right and the, there were fish on every docky fish pretty much, you know, but. Well, you know, in that versatility piece, I mean, flat out, that's what, you know, uh, the, the man from your neck of the woods up there fighter. That's how, that's why, how he brought home an angler of the year title is. He didn't get stuck in any one area. He fished the way he wanted to fish. And if you're going to fish in the, in the natural waters up North there and cut your teeth, you're going to learn offshore. You're going to learn in the grass. You're going to learn, you're going to learn it all, you know, if you want to, you want to play that. And that's really what he did. So it may, you know, it makes you wonder what other guys, you know, that are, that are feeling the steam right now can actually put that together and make that happen. Right. He's actually one, I think you might need to watch for this tournament right he's a shallow water guy but not i mean people that fished with him around here i mean he does good he does good with that mid-depth cranking and stuff like that he won angler of the year on uh 
St. Clair, the angler of the year tournament that they had there in St. Clair. He was throwing a crankbait, a D, I think a DT10 and catching smallies. I mean, he's really good around docks. He's good shallow. I was going to say. A good cranker. So, I mean, he's if they're pushing up, man, he could be one to really watch. Don't forget that hair jig. He keeps that so quietly in his holster. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like he's, and he's really good with it. Yeah, he is. Yeah, for sure. I so, wouldn't have him make a rod for it for nothing. <laughs> exactly. So of the 52 classics that have occurred, we're on we're on classic number 53 this year. Of the 52, only five times has uh what they would call the hometown, you know, angler has that ever really panned out mm-hmm. for the first 37 years no hometown angler ever won a classic you yep. it's happened now five times in the past 15 years i found these stats i mean we're still talking less than 10 percent, right i mean this article that i read yeah. said well the hometown curse is lifted i don't know if i agree with that i mean we're still talking under 10 percent. yeah but i started well, i started getting into the why you know, why would in the most recent years that start to come back into play? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, my, my opinions, you know, on the, on the uh, topical side, techniques and the equipment that people are using nowadays are a lot better. Um, there's more people competing. So they're, they're, they're making it up. And, and of course, historical data now is so readily available that, you know, it start, and I think we're understanding in comparison, if you go 15 years back and you look at, you know, how many guys were doing this nonstop compared to what are doing it now, mm-hmm. especially with the MLF, you know, creating the, the additional spots. I mean, because not for nothing, we got a lot of guys in the classic this year that go back to 2019, which was the last time that, you know, all the group was together. We didn't hear about a lot of these guys that are fe- fishing in it now. Right. So we have so many more of these guys that are getting a chance. So I just, I think those things are playing. What, what are your thoughts on that? If, if, if any, um, I think some of the, I think the hometown thing is comes down to a, uh, the type of lake and sometimes time of year thing. Cause you look at Hartwell now, and I believe in 2014, Casey Ashley won an early March event on Hartwell blew it out by like 13 pounds the classic early March coldest classic ever on record on Hartwell he won that and then you look at 20 was it 2019 the class they had a elite on Hartwell and Brandon Cobb a South Carolina guy won it he's a local and I think part of it comes down and that was more of a spawning uh, tournament that one in 19. But I think that the reason why some of these hometown guys are winning these tournaments is uh, when they're cold pre-spawn, they just know more of these offshore spots are, are holding fish. I mean, you know how long it takes to scan a lake like Hartwell to Good Lord, yeah. find where are these schools historically staging up? I mean, even go up to Mille Lacs here in Minnesota and go go find wintering smallmouth and figure out where they're going to be pre-spawn. It's not like you can go do it in two days. I mean, right. it's tough. So it takes some time. I think part of that lends itself to the hometown guy having a, a little point. bit of an advantage. 
Yep. And yep. a lot of these guys, when they see warm temperatures, they've never been there. They're going to go look for these fish coming up shallow. Well, that's going to put a lot of pressure on them shallow fish. And I think that the guy that knows some of that offshore stuff that can stay away from some of them pressured fish, get himself a solid limit at 12 to 15 pounds and then move in and just go hunting for a giant that's willing to eat. I mean, I, I think yeah. that's, that's definitely going to be a benefit for somebody that knows the lake. That's sound logic. Yeah, that's, uh, that's absolutely. I mean, and especially when you have, you know, a field full of, you know, guys that have, you know, waited their whole life to get here, you know what I mean? And right. whether they're, whether they're competing in, you know, Swindell will be what I believe competing. Is he in the field? I believe he is, isn't he? Yep. Yep. But, he uh, I thought he is, but that would make it that like his 19th uh, classic, you know, that he's, that yeah. he's going to be going through. So, I mean, you got those guys where you got guys that are brand new, never been there, you know, so they're getting right. their first shot at it. So, you know, and it's, it brings us to the next piece where we can go ahead and start, you know, really talking about some of the anglers themselves, you know, the big, uh, of course, big story piece here, four guys ever in the history of the, of the classic have, have won it back to back. Uh, now we have mm -hmm. several legendary anglers have won, you know, many more than this, but winning it back to back, um, you got Hank Cherry defending champ. He's done it back to back. And of course, then you got Jordan Lee, youngest kid to ever do it, mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Van Dam and Rick Clun. Yep. So he's in pretty, pretty darn good company. And the yep. question is, can he three Pete? You know, what, what are your, I've, I've got my opinions on this thing. I don't think it's possible. Uh, I just, especially considering if I look at where, what Cherry's doing right now, I mean, he's not, he's not having a bad year, but not for nothing, his first two events, you know, he's middle of the pack at best. It doesn't look like he's got some momentum here. Right. And I don't know if Hartwell sets up real great for him. He doesn't have a historically, you know, great track record there. But at the same note, if you would have asked, well, Hank Cherry, we, you know, win back to back, I'd have probably said the same thing then. So, right. I mean, well, he's one of those guys that just seems to show up in big events, though. Doesn't he, though? It's like pressure and doesn't get him. The other thing is, is he's, from North Carolina, he's not that far. No. And uh, I think a lot of guys actually would say that this is probably the lake that sets up better for him than his other two. <laughs> I mean, gotcha. realistically. Right. But if you look at what's going to probably be working there, if there's deep spots and they're going to be, they're going to play because there's going to be big ones out deep chasing blueback herring. He's really good with a jerkbait. Really good. He designed that Berkeley Stunna. He freaking, that's what helped him win his last two classics. So that's out there. And then he's also, <laughs> I mean, he's a guy that can go in and he can flip just as good as most guys. I mean, right. the odds are very, very low, but I think it's possible. And he seems like you said right out the gates, he seems to thrive when that pressure's on, it's like, he's, he's got ice in the veins type thing. And that's in this, in our sport, man, that is so freaking uh, important to just stay level-headed, just keep yep. approaching it. Like you would any other event, keep having fun, keep moving. It keeps that focus, you know, it keeps your grounding where it needs to be. And he right. clearly has that. Yep. As long as he can, uh, 
not get caught up in the media whirlwind <laughs> interviews and stuff like that and not get distracted. I think he's got a shot. Right. So, so looking at one of the articles at Bassmaster, they've got him listed. If you're looking into odds, he's a six to one. Basically the odds on him basically is what they're putting him at. Um, it's not horrible. No, no, it's not. It's better than, better than a lot out there. They've got him pretty equal with like uh, Polinick, uh, Scott Martin. Uh, of course, uh, Greg Hackney's a five to one. Yeah. Um, what do they have Peroznik at? Yeah. Peroznik is one you definitely don't want to get caught sleeping on, uh, especially for this thing. This guy's battle tested. He's a three to one. Uh, that's He's taken fifth place. In 2015 Classic there and in 2018, fifth place both times. Yep. Now, Prosnick, I'll tell you, in his in his short stint with the MLF, he was a force to be reckoned with in that format. I mean, this dude is yep. just a flat-out hook. I mean, he catches, doesn't matter the format. Um, yep. he, he catches fish. So, yeah, I could uh, – that would not be a guy I'd want to bet against. Yeah. What about – what are they – just curiosity, yep. what do they have the odds for Christie at? Jason Christie. It was his to win last time, and he let it slip away on him. He's four to one, and I'll tell you what. um, I'll openly say this right now. He's one of my picks, uh, absolutely, because. um, So Christie, you know, he he was in very successful uh, in in the bass world. He came over with the MLF push, decided to move back, and, and openly had said, you know, it was a scheduling piece for him. Um, the way the, you know, the, the format worked better for him to, to, for his scheduling, you know, to stay over there, uh, with bass. Um, and so last year, him being forced to sit it out and only work the expo. I mean, he described that as basically, you know, getting a kick to the head, basically it was just on him. So this guy, and he's actually had a pretty good start to get rolling, you know, this year. Um, right. yeah, I really think Christy is, is one to keep an eye on because I think this guy's motivated, and uh, he's he's one of the one of the best hooks we've seen in the sport in the last you know fifteen years for sure. He's he's, well, he's another guy that shows up big in classics, man. Yeah, he's had the, he's had two seconds, I think, in classics. He took second to Evers on Grand Lake, and that was another one that he was sitting in really good shape. And well, Evers went and caught thirty pounds on him, but he only <laughs> weighed four. You know, he's, that was one he slipped up on. So. I don't know, man. I think he's going to be hungry for it, especially after what happened to him on Hartwell last time. I mean, he lost by a pound and a half and went into the final day with a six pound lead. Yep. So I think he's going to be uh, hungry Just, for that one big time. So in looking back over this, I do think it's it's notable to say this. So this is the fourth time they've been uh, at Hartwell for the classic. 2008 was won by uh, Elton Jones, senior. 2015. Yep. Casey Ashley won it in 2015 at Hartwell. And then 2018, which you've been talking about, Jordan Lee. Um, one notable piece, though, uh, all of those guys, those are now over at the Bass Pro Tour. So they're not even in this field. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, you've got, you know, a, a, this is one of the cool things, you know, I mean, there are some negative pieces that come with, you know, the split uh, and the, the separation piece. But there's also a lot of cool things that come out of it. And one of the things that I can tell you as someone who's trying to stay, you know, 
especially for the podcast piece, I got to try to stay, you know, unbiased and, and right now I have my own personal preference where I like to fish, but it's irrelevant. The, the cool thing that I like about these bass elite fields is it's damn near anybody's game, man. You know, there's, there, there's a good level playing field of, of oh. angler quality, you know, that's going on. And literally on any given day, any one of these guys has a legit shot at picking off these things. And I think this, this classic field is really setting up, in my opinion, to, to be very much the same. I don't think there's a clear favorite that's going to run away with this thing. Um, you know, and of course this sport, just when you think you got it figured out, it'll, you know, flip a 180 on you (laughs) regardless, you know, whatever conditions. Yeah. And I would say that Brandon Cobb would be really favorable to win this thing, but I don't know if it sets up for his kind of tournament. The last time they were there and he won, it was a full on spawn. They were sight fishing them and, and he's tough. He's tough to beat shallow and sight fishing. If you look at right. the history, that uh, that dude, yep. he's been doing it a lot longer than people realize too. He's been mm-hmm. at this a long time. He just he's got that baby faced assassin thing going on. So oh, he yeah. looks he looks like he's sixteen, but yep. <laughs> he's he's been you know fishing professionally what 16, 20 years. I mean, it's been a while. He's been out Something there doing that, it. Yeah, I think oh. he was with FLW before the split. What didn't he? And then he came mm-hmm. over. Yep, I think so. Yep. Yeah, when things uh, kind of made their maneuver around, I think he did. And uh, he was also, um, he still is with uh, with Arc Fishing as well. Yeah. I'm just looking down through the the current standing piece, looking at some of these. Um, yeah, so Cobb, what's he looking like this year? So he's got a 28th and a 49th uh, place yep. down in Florida there. I really would anticipate, I would have thought he'd have done a little better, but I think, I don't know, the Harris Chain was not playing nice. It was, uh, was being odd according yep. to several of those guys. Yeah. Um, so let's take a look here. Where do you, I mean, you want me to prob- give you the list of the guys that I think that I, yeah, that are going to yeah. do good. Absolutely. Yeah. We've already talked about Christy. I mean, he's a good shallow water guy and he was right there in 18. It's setting up very, very similar. And I, don't think he's going to make the same mistake he made last time. Um, so I think he's going to be one to watch. Um, Patrick Walters has experience on Hartwell. He won the Open there in 2020. Um, and I think he's going to be out throwing a jerk bait on those big spots, looking for those on with his live scope. So I think he's going to be someone to keep an eye off eye on. Um, Gerald Swindell had a top 10 in 18. Did good there. I think that, and he's good around docks, good shallow. I think he's a guy that being versatile could do well if them fish are pushing up shallow. And then uh, we already talked about Prosnick and his finishes and fighter. And then the one, two other ones I was looking at, um, Jeff Gustafson will openly say his favorite lake in the whole South is Lake Lanier chasing those big spotted bass. Yep. And he does what he did on the Tennessee River, how he won with his little moping and his Demiki style rig. <laughs> and I think he's going to be doing the same thing on spots, probably early. And I think he's the type of guy that can go in, uh, get his fish deep. I think he can transition to that shallow water and go look for a big fish on, right. you know, on some shallow cover. 
And then John Cox <laughs> took a fifth place there in 14, early yep. March. And then he won there in 16. And they're both March tournaments. The yep. one he won in March was a little later in the year. I think that was a little more sight fishing, some sight fishing stuff. <laughs> but he knows the lake. He's done well there in the past. I wouldn't be surprised to see him doing doing good too. So allow me to add in because there you just hit my second pick. That's uh, uh, Cox. Cox and Christie are the two that I've that I've got picked for this thing. Um, everything you just said. And then add to the fact that he is having already a phenomenal year. He is sitting yes. second uh, in the points after two two runs. He's got a seventh place and a fourth place finish. Um, this is a walk in the park schedule for him. This dude, people forget, this guy is the road warrior. All right, he pulled off the the unfree. He did three major tournament trails last year. He was fishing the Bass Pro Tour the tackle warehouse pro circuit and the Bassmaster uh, elite series yep. this year, he has toned it down to just two that he's, that he's fishing to make sure that he doesn't run into scheduling conflicts anymore. Um, how he can actually get to practice. I was going to say many of those <laughs> events, he didn't even have practice time. I mean, the guys, you know, running out of, you know, just on pure adrenaline alone. So for right. him, to me, this guy, like I said, he's got momentum. This is relatively short turnaround time from the last major event. I mean, some of these guys were able to get home. Some of them, I'm, I'm sure, just had to stay on the road. Mm -hmm. um, but for him, that's that's just a walk. That's an everyday thing uh, for for John C. Man, that's just there's there's no no issue there at all. And so I just really think that with the momentum he's got, he's one of the most, in my opinion, when momentum's in his favor, that guy can win anywhere in the country at any given time. People have realized that, that he's not just a shallow water guy, you know, nope. yes, what he does shallow and how he can take his shallow water game to any place. I mean, freaking Oneida, this guy will kill you and he'll stay in four foot of water, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> and trying to figure that out, you know, and it's, so it's, yeah, I just, I really think that uh, the, the momentum is going to be on his side. What, I mean, right he's now, a, he's no stranger to big tournaments either. He won a Forestwood yeah. Cup. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, he's, what I think he's would, definitely one to watch. Where do you put, I mean, the guy that's leading the leading the game right now, David Mullins. I mean, I, I mean, no disrespect, but I mean, uh, this is, I mean, this is a new name in the top of the, you know, list up here. Uh, you know, you normally, it's not a, not a household, you know, anglers name, you know, that we, that we hear the fighters, the, you know, uh, those guys Mullins is here. Uh, a fourth place and a fifth place. He's leading the points right now. Clearly he's got to have some, you know, ton of confidence going in. Right. Um, do you know anything about this guy? I mean, well, he was a runner up for angler of the year a couple of years ago. I can't remember what, who it was to maybe Polinick. Okay. But he took, he was runner up for angler of the year. Nice. Um, so, I mean, he's been there. He's been yep. in the mix. Um, but yeah, I would say, He's coming off of some really good finishes. He's going to have all the yeah. momentum. He's going to be feeling good. You feel like he's fishing clean, making good decisions, stuff like that. I mean, when, you, when you're in a good frame of mind, man, it goes a long way. You know that. Dude, doesn't it? I mean, that's our sport. I think, I mean, so many sports. I've, I've coached for a lot of years, different sports. Hockey is a big momentum game. Um, 
football, huge momentum game. That's, you know, the big play type thing, but I still don't think even in, in, you know, those other sports, there's just something about pro fishing that when you have that momentum and it just seems like when wins come and success comes for anglers, it comes in bunches. And that's, you know, that's that, like you just said, it's that mindset. You don't second guess, you follow your gut. The very first thing you think you go with it. And man, when it's clicking and when it's panning out like that, that makes it tough to beat. Well, and when things are going well, you don't second, second guess decisions. Right. So, I mean, when you're fishing confident, man, it really makes a big difference. And And those wins coming in bunches, they come in bunches at all the levels. Right. Doesn't not just the pro <laughs> circuit. I mean, any circuit, anywhere in the in the up and down the ladder. When you've got somebody fishing good, and they're fishing c- confident, I mean, it just it's they can be tough to beat. Yeah, it's uh, you know I think it goes right. They they push out that outside chatter, you know, that's going on out there, which has been you know been my biggest. Uh, Achilles is, you know, not letting that come into, you know, decision-making. And when these yep. guys are, are clicking, right. Um, so, you know, out of all the names and so forth, we we've not mentioned, I, I want to touch on, especially just because it's, it's from your neck of the woods up there. We've got a, a huge Minnesota contingent now uh, that's taking place on the bass scene. Uh, in the yep. elite series, we're talking, and I'm, if I miss anybody, clue me in here. Of course we got fighter. We got Austin Felix in there. Now we got Josh Douglas, you know, who's up in the elite side and Bob Downey. I mean, yep. that's, you know, we is, and I'm trying to think, I think that's, I think that's all of them right yeah, now. I think that's there's it right now. There's a couple now. Wisconsin guys that aren't very far from the border, but yeah, there's a few other Wisconsin guys and they're, they've been doing actually the rookie of the year leader that Jay Shakurit, he's from Wisconsin. Okay. And uh, he's only 22. Wow. And he's cash checks at both of the last two events. And he came from 47th, the last guy in the cut, and almost made it to the top 10 for wow. to qualify for day four on the third day. So he's fishing really good too right now. He's got a big lead for that uh, rookie of the year. Nice. You know, and it's early on. It's early on. But like we, we just got done saying, you know, so when the success comes, it comes in bunches. So when you see that momentum, you know, I think two events down this early in the season, I, I don't think that's too early to say momentum. I mean, if you get right. a couple of good deals like that going, man, that's, that goes hit, hit me with your opinion on this guy. So when he made this decision, I couldn't understand it, but it, it, it was what it was. Scott Martin. Um, yep. One of hands down the most successful FLW anglers of all time. Um, the guy has won a ton of money. Uh, it wasn't just a name that he had, but he makes the decision to jump. You know, when, when the FLW got its boost and was actually going to be put on a, on a platform to actually, you know, have some names in the field to be able to compete. He decides, to leave FLW, he goes over his business decision. I respect every one of those anglers, the guys that left, the guys that went, the guys that stayed. Hey, yep. it's it's their business. It's their money, not mine. But it just doesn't seem like he's found his stride yet um, on the bass right. side. These lakes aren't that different. I mean, there's basically a lot of the same lakes. You know, the pro circuit hits, you know, there's only so many bodies of water around that can hold that kind of field. 
I mean, is it is it a, a deal that he's just kind of a journeyman at this stage of the game, or where? What do you think is going on with Scott right now? Um, I don't know. I really think. I really think he wants to chase that classic. I think that's part of it. I mean, he's right. been pretty vocal about that. And then also, uh, I don't know, there's been a few guys that have been a little bit vocal about the way they've done with the MLF side for qualifying to get to the BPT. There's been a few people that have maybe been a little short-sticked a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um but not horrible, but I just, you hear murmurs of things here and there. So I don't know if that was really a, continued, a part of it, but uh, sure. I really think he really wanted to go to Bass. And I mean, for years, you kind of heard the Bass's top dog FLW was not the same. No and question. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's the truth, but that's kind of the stigma it had. So, I read an article, you know, and not to go off on too far of a tangent, but to your point here about that, um, there you can go back as early as, and I'm I'm betting it goes even further back for this, like 2002, 2003 articles where the anglers were not happy with Bass and FLW. The anglers were not happy and they were talking about the payouts. They were talking about schedules. They were talking about um the anglers having an opportunity to give input into what happens this is not something new you know what i mean it's like right. they were all iconelli was one of the most vocal against bass back in the like 0405 after he after he got his win um it gave him a big even bigger stage and they were all about you know the anglers futures right. well there was an article wrote out there and it really, boy, I, I bounced this off of Mike McClelland uh, and uh, Matt Staffan, and they both agreed with me on this, uh, or not agreed with me, but with what this author's opinion was. The, the, the rule used to be, if you want to make money, go fish the FLW. But if you want to make a name for yourself, you got to go fish bass. You know, for the longest time, the FLW paid out more. It paid further down. And this was even during the highlight. But the difference was the biggest name in the sport, those names were all in bass. Yep. When those 80 anglers <laughs> jumped ship, you know, and left, yep. you know, that, that changed everything up in there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, we're kind of not to kick a dead horse or anything, but to me, I wonder, because I'll tell you previously, you know, any FLW event going on, Martin is in everybody's talk list, but neither you nor I, even brought him into this thing. And this is arguably one of the best anglers on the planet, you know, from the last 20 years. I yep. mean, the guy shows he can, I mean, if, if what we do to, to measure win or anglers is their career winnings, because that's really in their wins. He's got to be in your conversation, right? I mean, the guy has well, got a resume that is, yeah, but it's like, what are you seven time? FLW champion. Some, how many, has he won more than one Forest Wood Cup? I, you know what? I don't have his direct um, uh, resume right in front of me here, but it's that that those numbers sound very similar. I mean, yes, he's like I said. I believe he was the most career winnings wise, the most successful in FLW, um, or that might have actually been Andy Morgan as well. He actually was right up there with him uh, yeah. in yep. those as well. But yeah, I just you know. Sooner or later, I just feel like uh, 
if, if Martin gets schedules or gets something figured out mentally, if he gets in his game, that elite field, in my opinion, is in trouble. Cause I mean, he's, he's going to be one of those names like the Swindell, you know, right. if, if Gerald still has the fire, you know, if, if G still wants to, you know, get underneath things, I mean, dude's been doing it a lot of years, man. So you got to figure sooner or later, you know, your decisions change if, you know, throughout that time. But yeah, I just think that you're going to have, you know, Martin's going to be in that, in, in, you know, field of decision sooner or later. Well, I think you will. And I think he probably is one you're going to want to watch for this tournament because there's been a lot of times that the FLW has been to Hartwell. Oh, he's yeah. been there. I mean, he's competed there. He knows stuff on the lake. So he's going to be one to keep an eye on too. For sure. You know, and beyond that, I mean, it's this, the, I'm looking through the entire field. I mean, you got some legendary names in there. I mean, the big surprise, to be honest with you, is where Iconelli's at on the season. Um, I, I believe that's another name. Don't count out just yet um, as, you know, up and down is dude, you know, appears to be on the camera. <laughs> so can his results be? He can tank, right. but then come back the next, you know, next week and just wipe the floor with people, you know, and just when he gets right. in a, in an area, I think that's another Justin Atkins, who I actually know um, that guy. I mean, it's, you know, he's definitely, I would call him, uh, I don't know if Hartwell f- fits his wheelhouse, but that's a guy just, I mean, he can find fish, you know, but I think right. you could say the same for pretty much every one of these guys in the field, you know, that are going to be in there. Right. So. This brings us basically towards the uh, the end of the of the breakdown piece here. I think one other notable piece of news we have coming out of Bassland there is uh, at the beginning of this month they announced where the 2023 Classic is going to be at. It's going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, the last time they were there was in 2019, and Ot Defoe uh, won his first and only Classic. The last one with all those so. Split. Yeah, so 2019 Bass Pro Tour had already begun, but the year previous, all those guys that had left for the Bass Pro Tour were still qualified in. Yep. So you, I mean, he wanted against you know the best of the best that were in that field, yep, uh, out there. And uh, yeah, so this was to date that event has been the biggest, most attended event in bass history. Um, was that classic that they, because uh, another piece to this, they hold the exhibit at the world fair uh, exhibit piece. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's a huge, huge deal. Um, It'll be curious to see what, what the turnout looks like this next year for that. Right. I'm going to try and go to that one. I was going to go to this one this year and I just couldn't make it work. Right. Um, But I'm going to go next year. I think I really want to go. I just, it's like an 18 hour drive and I didn't have the time and whatever to do it this year, but that whole real life thing for next year. Yep. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's, uh, it'll be curious to see how that, uh, how that plays out and, uh, and who they have in the field, you know, going into that and what, what that attendance piece looks like, you know, they always bring this up, you know, there's, there's, there's ups, there's downs with, uh, you know, with, with what bass is doing. Bottom line is, there are three major, you know, Super Bowls that take place in our sport right now. That's just the way it is. You got you, the classic, probably the most known is the Bassmaster Classic. You yep. got the uh, uh, 
the uh, tackle warehouse title uh, that goes on the championship for the pro circuit. And then of course, Redcrest, which Redcrest coming up at the end of this month, you and I hopefully will get a chance to get back together for that. Right. Uh, and we'll preview some Redcrest. Help me with some of that. Cause I haven't been following that as much. I used it's, to, I used to follow it all, but God, it's hard to follow it all. It is. It is. You know, the bottom line is uh, it's, you know, right now it's all the names that you're used to. And then the, they've got a few new guys that are coming on the scene. Of course, I don't care what, you know, uh, organization you're talking about. You know, you, you mentioned the guy's name and people across the entire, you know, competitive scene know him and that's Wheeler. I mean, this guy is, is no. on a different planet, man. Uh, guys no. old and guys young, are looking at him going, what are you doing, man? He's, he's got something dialed in. Yeah, he does. It doesn't matter where he goes, what you want to go frog fishing. No problem. You want to get out on a 35 foot bite. <laughs> no problem. He's got you there too. Very, very versatile. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, he's uh, and he's starting off very similar. He's having another year like that. You know, he's, he's started where he left off for sure. Right. Um, so yeah, that'll, uh, that'll be awesome. All right, man. So let's get to our angler pick. So here's what the folks, here's what our bet is. We decided off the air. So my man, Jay is up in Minnesota. It is hockey season. Of course I'm out in Colorado. There is kind of a, we're in the same, uh, you know, same division there. There is kind of a rivalry between the wild and the avalanche. They, uh, they tend to, you know, have some heated games, so what we decided was the loser is going to have to make a Facebook post with the other guy's hockey team logo and give a little hashtag chant, you know, to this thing. <laughs> so that's what's on the line, you know, for, uh, for us here. So what it's going to do is we're each going to pick and we can pick the same, same guys, you know, that would really suck because they wouldn't would have a winner. Make it very fun. No, no. But I mean, if there's some overlap, there can be overlap. We're going to pick two anglers. And based on their position, where they end up, the guy with the lowest score is going to win. And the other guy is going to have to do the, the logo of shame on Facebook. It'll probably be me because I'm going to, I know what you're going to do. And yep. I, 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 I was going to say, I'm going to go be contrarian and I'm going to go. All right. Who you got? I am going to go Poroznik. Good call. And then I'm going to take. And it might bite me, but because I know how much Gustafson likes those spots, I'm going to take Jeff Gustafson. Yeah, dude. I think those are, those are solid picks. I mean, you know, this sport, dude, I mean, anything can happen any given time. And those are both of those guys. There are deep arguments as to how they can pull this thing off. I, you know, no excitement, no buildup on mine. I already kind of openly admitted my two John Cox, Jason Christie. Um, I think they're both going to have a great tournament. I really do. Yeah, they, uh, I think, you know, and, and the same, I mean, just when we think, I don't know if you caught any of the MPFL, um, they got a, those guys got the raw end of the deal there. They, the weather kind of blew them out. They had to, they literally, instead of a three day event, it got turned into a one day, $50,000 shootout. Um, and I'll tell Perfect. you, I'll tell you what, man, those guys, oh man. And, and we've been there, we've been in these kind of tournaments, but I want to say that there, there was one guy that, of course, fat sacked the thing. Uh, and Taylor Watkins, I believe, is the last name. He put up 23 pounds. But then I'm, I'm not kidding you. I bet you we can count on one hand the number of guys that caught five fish limit. And we're, I mean, these, these are some, some damn good hooks, man. 
that place was beating these guys up. There were so many one, two fish limits being brought in, you know, some 85, 90 guys weighed in. Wow. Um, yeah, it was a rough, rough tournament. Uh, so who Did knows? Did you hear about Patrick Walters? Walters. Uh, um, he was supposed to fish that MPFL. Oh, right, right, right. And so he was all the way in Kentucky and goes, oh, shit practice for the classic starts tomorrow <laughs> had to drive all the way back oh, no. <laughs> you heard it here first folks oh yeah i had well, no I idea it was on btl i think okay. they talked about it but i heard it and i was like you gotta be kidding he's a guy he he's trying to fish that npfl a little bit yep. he fishes opens and then he fishes the elites and he's another one of them guys that he's really good and he's does a lot, and he's one of the guys that I think might do good in this tournament too. But yeah, yeah, if he'd have missed practice. That'd have been a bummer for him. <laughs> yeah, no, I think if you have to make a choice, that's an easy, easy decision there for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, well, you know, and that's uh, that was one of the things I was very glad to see, and I, I really doubt there was any conversation about it. Um, but I was very glad that Redcrest was at the end of the month and the classic was at the beginning. Um, there is something going on Bass Pro Tour wise uh, that's going to keep literally, I think, all of these guys out of the expo, though. I don't think I think there's an event taking place on the MLF side that's going to you're not going to see, you know, which is going to be odd, man. You know, you're not going to see Kevin Van Dam. You're not going to see Edwin Evers, Ot Defoe and right. those guys because they're going to be at the the other deal sooner or later, hopefully. For the sake of the sport, for the sake of the sponsors, hopefully these organizations can find some ground, you know, to work together with because, right. hey, have multiple. That's fine. Competition's healthy. It's good. Yeah, I think it's fine. I just don't see the but, benefit to either of them when they're trying to stack. I was going to say. And stuff. They're just hurting each other's viewer. I mean, they're hurting their own viewership, too. And I go, I go even to the point of saying, I don't think anybody's maliciously sitting behind going, you know, you, you get the trolls online that, you know, for whatever reason, don't like Boyd Duckett and they, you know, well, boy, that's just the way he is. That's a, a tr come on folks. Trust me. He's got way bigger fish to fry than going, when is their tournament? <laughs> no, exactly. no, it's, it, I know that's easy for a lot of the simpleton brains to wrap their head around. They think it's that simple. But that's just, you're, you're so stretched out with this. But I think the problem exists is that they literally both, they don't care what the other one's doing. You know what I mean? It's like, I just, I'm, we're setting our schedule. Oh, the, did they set it same date? Well, okay, great. You know, I think that's probably happening. And sooner or later, the sponsorship, there's only so much money, man. You know, and these anglers nope. are already stretched so damn thin. Um. Take it Dude, from a guy who's tough, man. who's trying to make a living at, you know, that's one piece of our business. There's there's no business model that shows that it's a smart move. There just isn't, you know, it's well, and I, I don't know about you, man, but breaking even is a damn good year. If you can, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean. That's a yep. really good year. So put that in perspective. Oh, you had a great year. You won tournaments. Yeah, I broke even. Ain't that nice? <laughs> exactly. I mean, between entry fees and fuel now going up in price and lodging and all. I mean, yeah, man, one tournament down on the Mississippi River last year, I put in, I think, just in practice, like $280 in fuel in the boat. Yes, sir. I mean, you, just in the boat. a lot of fuel, man. Yeah. 
No, that's a, each one of our trips that we take, um, like a B in, in, even at the BFL level. I mean, it doesn't matter what level you're, you're paying at. If you're traveling to go to an event, you're traveling and the costs are identical. The only thing that changes is how much money's on the line and how much you have to pay to entry fee. Yep. Which is why we stay at the BFL level because it's like, hey, when when my winnings can pay for Toyota, that's when we go there. And if they don't pay for it, same same for us. That's and each what I'm doing too. Each one of those events, it's over a thousand bucks if I'm staying in a hotel. You know, yep. because and I try to thin it down. I don't practice. Some guys like to practice an entire week. I get spun out when I do that. So I put myself in a two to three day window of practice and then tournament day. That's what I, I feel myself three days, man. I yep. mean, I feel like that's a good amount. And the thing is you get too far removed from your tournament day to your, or your practice day to the beginning of the tournament. Like, Oh, well, a week ago, Monday, I caught this on this over here. Well, them fish are the change, man. It's yep. the change is too fast. And so I try to, and then the other thing is if I can stay on a three dates tur- uh, practice schedule and where I, can dial in my practice strategy, how I'm practicing. It works for me. I can be successful. Well, I can move up to the next level or any level and be competitive. I'm not, oh yeah, I won a tournament, but I had 10 days of practice. I mean, that, I mean, if you, you, you know, you need to be able to be competitive with three days of practice, I think. I think you, you just hit the nail on the head, Jay. And that is what's the level, what's your next level that you want to be at? Well, then learn what those practice requirements are and get that efficient at this lower level. So when you do go there, you don't have that culture shock piece. But to go back to the point, you know, by the time you do that, you're over a thousand bucks in gas, food, lodging. I mean, this stuff is not cheap um, to try to make these. Uh, So, yeah, it's uh, I just hope for that sake you know, that the sport continues to work it out. I mean, there's of course, there's a lot of options that, you know, guys could go with. But at the same note. You know, sometimes competition is is a good thing because it's the cool thing that you can actually say is that regardless of people like, you know, formats or not, bass changed after yep. these guys left. They changed how they go about things. They changed their payouts. They changed. And these yep. were all topics that these big guns had been raising as problems for the longest time leading up. Yeah. So one way or another, it changed. And plus, like I've always said this, those guys that went to the MLF side and and created the Bass Pro Tour, look at all the doors they opened up. You know, we just got done saying how many local guys, you know, and I mean, no disrespect to them, but I mean, if let's be honest, put 10 of those guys, you know, back in the field, put the Evers, the Van Dams, uh, you know, those guys, and you're going to lose 10 other guys. Okay. Because there's only so many slots that can be filled. So the cool thing is we're seeing a bunch of these guys that, you know, from around the, the country that are getting a shot at, at the highest level there. So I think yeah. there's good stuff there, but I digress. I digress. I digress. So, so what does I'm looking forward to getting into the season, man, I'm sick of sitting, looking at ice. I was going to say you and I, uh, you know, I moved a thousand miles away, but I'm still in the same thing. We have off seasons. <laughs> the Southern guys right now are looking at us like you have what? <laughs> Yeah, but exactly. we have off seasons. It's when the hard water takes over. Um, yeah. So what does your upcoming season look like? You, you're working uh, you're in a normal job. You got a little family. You're yep. a busy dude. What is your fishing season looking like this year? Uh, there's still a few things up in the air. Um, possible a couple of 
BFLs, depending on time. Obviously, with gas prices, how much I want to travel <laughs> to go to those. Um, and that kind of comes down to a lot of little dinky weekend little derbies that are for you're fishing for two, three hundred bucks. Well, if I got to spend a hundred bucks in gas to get there, then it really ain't worth me going, you know? <laughs> so I'm not fishing anything little really. I mean, maybe I might jump in a couple cause they're at the lake five minutes down the road. But other than that, right. I'm fishing stuff that's paying out some better money. I'm fishing the Minnesota team trail. Nice. Um, I'm fishing the blackfish classic. You are fishing that. Yep. I, uh, I yep. actually really was, was considering trying to find a, a partner for that and coming back for that. I've, I've been with all terrain and blackfish for a lot of years. Yep. And so, yeah, I've, I would love to act. every year that they'd have it. I was either down in the Ozarks or I was down on lacrosse, you know, doing one yep. of those events. So I, I it always crossed over. Yep. But, uh, oh, yeah, but yeah, that's kind of cool. They're having it on a Monday. Very smart. Hopefully the boater traffic won't be so bad. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm fishing that nice. and, uh, I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um, I, you'd be surprised, but for the proximity, I lived to Minnetonka. I've never fished there. So I just never got down there. I was always going up to Mille Lacs or fishing North Metro or whatever, but so. Well, tra go. traffic has a lot to pressure. I mean, that place is just beat on. Like yeah. uh, seven days a week, there's at least nine tournaments going on, maybe 10, yep. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm going to spend a lot of time up there. I'm going to do a lot of graphing and stuff like that and see what I can do. I'm looking forward to that. That's a big payout one. So, I don't mind spending a little bit of money on trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? And yep. So, yeah. So, those are the biggest tournaments I have going. Um, I'm fishing the Frankie's Pro Team tournament. Nice um fish that last year there's some good hooks really in that one day. oh yeah i had a really good day one and then uh couldn't keep fish hooked up on day two. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> i cost myself we were sitting in fifth place overall after day one it's a four fish tournament we weighed almost 16 pounds for four fish wow um and so I think we were sitting like less than a half a pound out of third. And we went out on day two because it fishes one day on one lake. So they split the, the field. Half the field goes to one lake, half the field goes to the other. And then day two, you switch. Oh, okay. We went out, ran out to the first spot. I first cast, I threw a crankbait out there, reeling in, hooked up on a nice one, like three and a half pounder. Jeez. He must have just swiped on it or whatever, because he comes up to the side of the boat. He's got it all inside of his face, right? And he thrashes, and that crankbait comes off. I'm like, oh, oh. you got to be kidding me. And then uh, I lost another one on a chatterbait later that day. <laughs> I don't lose fish on a chatterbait usually, so it's like, <laughs> what the heck? But um, I made a five-pound call, well, four-and-a-half-pound call with 10 minutes before check-in. So it kind wow. of the day a little bit, caught a big one. And then we still missed the top 10 after that, but right. that was frustrating. We grounded out, man. It was tough and it was windy and we we're fishing on my buddy's boat. Cause my, I didn't have my boat last year cause my power had issues and uh, he didn't have spot lock. Oh so no. I spent, and I was running the trolling motor. I spent all day up there on a hundred Never took my foot off the pedal, man, <laughs> just to keep us in place. 
It was Good bad. Night. I spent more time looking at the graph and trying to make sure I kept on the trolling motor in the right spot than I did fishing. It had a four tricks, I take it. Yep. 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 I remember those days. That's so, why. I, yeah. That's why I hated offshore fishing. Yep. I just. I told my buddy. I said, "I'm never fishing another tournament without a spot lock ever." <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, the you know, you hear guys out there wonk and complain about technology. You know, forward-facing oh. sonar is the most recent thing. People think it's all cheating, this or that. Um, and I mean, it's just like anything and everything else. But man, after you fish with it, and you know it's an option, it really gets inside your head and just twists you up if you if you don't have it i mean right. i i couldn't imagine being able to fish without um you know without anchor lock on the on the garmin force for me also on the mississippi river all the fishing we did down there without my power poles i'd be i'd be tangled up around you know 62 different strainers you know without my power poles I would, I, I had gotten to the point where I could, you know, position those, let the current take me where I needed to drag them in, you know, dig in and let the, you know, bow swing, get me right where I needed to be. You know, I, I can't imagine, you know, being without those, uh, I know fishing I know. in a boat. Yeah. It's, I've got, I got the talents. I got 12 footers on my boat and then I got the spot lock at all tracks and I love it, man. And a lot of guys. And I was watching another podcast actually, and uh, they were talking about this forward-facing sonar that the guys that are growing up with it are going to be really good with it. Oh yeah. But what happens if they do take it away? Yeah, you know it'll I mean, it'll just be a, a a matter of time, and I don't see them. There's nothing about it other than just being real time. You know what I mean? Right. I don't it's, see them taking it away. Nah. But it's what about the guys that are sold? getting locked in and they've this is all they've known sure what happens if they go to something and they decide that they it's not allowed at a certain level like an alabama rig yep i mean how many guys fish an alabama rig and it's not allowed in a lot of stuff now and it's just i think i think the guys that are well-rounded before it are going to be the guys that are going to be okay if something does come down the line i think the different piece though because uh, I've heard that argument a couple times, and here's here's the thing: the Alabama rig doesn't help you find them any faster. Oh no, no, and it doesn't make you any more or less efficient on a given spot. It, if you get on them, if you find them, in some cases, it's the difference between catching them and not catching them. Oh yeah, I'll absolutely. give you that. With the forward-facing sonar, if we watch like what just happened, uh, the MPFL, you watch those guys. I watched uh, the the Bass Pro Tour, uh, um, actually watching a Heritage Cup that just took place. Zach Burge was one of the, the best examples. He's going through this stump field, right? Deadheads, as far as the camera can see, he's not casting. He's watching his forward-facing sonar. And he flat out said, unless I see one, I'm not casting. The difference is like a guy like me who, yes, I'm, uh, you know, one of the rare few people, I still don't have pan optics. Um, I've chosen. uh, Okay. (laughs) Let's talk. Um, But yeah. Mine might be for sale. Just, just, you might be. The difference is I'm going into that stump field and I'm casting. 
where the guys that have that forward-facing sonar, he's in the area that he thinks they're going to be, but he's more efficient in the fact that he can look at the brush pile and see if there's activity. Still doesn't mean that, you know, you don't, there's always that one not moving that blends in and, you know, you're going to you know, drag a jig and bang, you can connect up when you didn't see one, but it's just an efficiency thing. In my, in my opinion, it doesn't, um, yeah, I, I don't think it doesn't help you catch them any faster. You just find right. them, which tends to be the hardest part of my personal opinion is, is the finding them. Where I'll are be honest they? with you. I think what's helped me more than the live scope has been my 360. Okay. Yep. To be perfectly honest, I mean, I can see fish on the 360. Nice. I can see the fish on a, on structure. It's right. harder on some types of structure just because of the hard return you get from like rock and stuff. Right. But man, I don't know if I could fish without a 360 anymore. It's unbelievable. Just the, it's just like having side imaging. It just, you can see it. It updates constantly. Yep. But I can sit back off a weed line. Yep more efficient with that than i can i mean maybe live scope yeah you can see the weeds and see the grass and stuff like that but if you're just running 2d sonar and you're just oh yeah the grass line should be in eight or nine feet of water well, i can be <laughs> like yeah the grass line's in eight or nine feet of water but it cuts in four feet i was gonna right say there. it does an s you know that you can see yeah yeah and i can sure. i'll be perfectly honest i've caught more fish I can guarantee you there's been fish I've caught with that 360 that I wouldn't have caught otherwise. Right. And some of it's been as easy as going down, a, a, uh, coming out on a point, following a grass line. And on the end of the point, there's some, a little bit harder bottom, some sand, and there's freaking bunch of bluegill beds. Yep. Well, I've seen some fish out there. So I pulled way off and made a long cast with a jig, freaking one after another off. They're not on grass. They're yep. just relating to them bluegill beds because them bluegills are out there and that and it was in like 16 feet of water in clear water spawning. Yep. If it's I'd have been that, just following a grass line, I'd have never known they were there. It's that point that it, it helps you find them. The smart guys like the Jacob Wheelers, the Dustin Connells, the, you know, the guys that are picking this stuff up, that next generation, they're combining the piece. They're using this stuff to teach them, you know, this is so that so that way they can look at their topos, they can make a run to these spots and just get there. That's what you know. Wheeler is is not just you know looking at a screen and, and getting lucky, you know what I mean? He knows what to look for and he's learning more and more. That's why he's got all three manufacturers still sitting on his boat. You know, he's still using everybody's technology out oh. there. And yeah. so it's uh it's it's cool to kind of see that unfold, but and some of it is knowing when to not. <laughs> Yeah. Throw no anyway. Time. Like for me, if I come up with something and I figure out a pattern, shallow grass, whatever, I take my live scope off. Yep. I, I have my graph separate. It's on a re removable pedestal that I can elevate. So I'm not sitting there like this the whole time. I can look <laughs> at it a decent time and not have back problems. <clears throat> but I can quick disconnect that, unhook it, and pull the whole screen off. And I go fish that way because. Sometimes you, you just have to know. Sometimes there's times to use it. There's sometimes to just fish. Well, and that's you know that's that personal piece. Whatever you're most comfortable with, right? Right. That's that's the deal. Don't you have that uh, that um, you've got that setup that Watson promotes? Yeah, very don't you? similar. Yep. Same, yeah. 
same base, but I don't have it double mounted. I just have one graphite <laughs> running two. But yeah, I have that beat down outdoors right. mount, and I really, I really like that be, just because I get I can get the graphs up in front of me. And I've nice. thought about putting my 360 graph on with my live scope, <laughs> be, just because just to get it up because though it's closer, you can see the detail. Because I find myself bending down to look at it, you know, in the 360. Yep. So I've thought about that because it is nice to not have to stare straight at the floor. I can bring it up almost waist high if I want, you know. Well, you're still a young man, though. So, you know, you won't have the back problems like us old farts, you know. I'd be yeah, angry. but I don't want a back problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm trying to be some preventative here. I hear you. I hear you. So. All right, man. Well, listen, it's been awesome talking fish, and I'm sure we could talk all night, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast here. Very good. Jason, thank you so very much, dude. This was a ton of fun. Um, we need to start doing this more often for this season. Absolutely. We can grab any it. event. We'll grab hot topics. Um, you're a hell of a hook. Love fishing with you. When I when I get up there, like I, we've said this several times, we talked about it. I don't know if our schedules are going to cross over or not when I'm up in that neck of the woods. But um, if things go right, I want to actually try to put together a uh, Romans Warrior Foundation retreat up there. And that would be just, I mean, if we could get, you know, three, four guys together with boats, Yep. Take, you know, take three, four vets out onto, you know, one of those Northern uh, Metro lakes up there during the week, get them out, get them on some, uh, some of those natural lakes or whatever. That would just, I think be quite the treat, especially if we can bring some guys from the South or maybe out West, bring them up there and uh, show them what some, some good Northern fishing looks like up there. That'd be a lot of fun. It can be very good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They can be stingy on day. <laughs> especially so. in the Metro area. I remember that. Yep. Yep. Well, well, I listen, appreciate you having me on Gene. You bet, man. I And we uh, we sincerely appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely get this going, folks. Thanks for tuning in here to our uh, our special little uh, fishing edition here. Stick with us. Make sure when you're out at the uh, out at the channel there, True Patriot Outfitters, give us a subscribe, mash the like button, all these things, super big help. As always, folks, tight lines and be safe. <laughs>